Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 199 of the podcast. It's the 22nd of October, 2019, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a beautiful conversation with Holly Johnson, an unschooling mom with two kids. Her family is currently traveling the world together, and how they got to that place is an amazing story. We dive into the choice to remove a child from school, helping an anxious child, hacking their lives to suit themselves, and how unconditional acceptance and love is always the answer. As a personal update, this week we're happily welcoming our new Summit participants into the fold. That's always a lot of fun. I also spent a lovely couple of hours reorganizing things in our garage and sweeping up all the pinecone bits, thinking about the squirrels and chipmunks that are now getting busy collecting pine cones for the coming winter. And listening to my audiobook. It looks like a whole new space now. It's very exciting. And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support not only lets me know that you enjoy the show and want it to continue, it allows me to spend time creating episodes each week and also to share the podcast archive, almost 200 episodes now, for free with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash exploring unschooling. And if you aren't interested in an ongoing contribution, but would like to make a one-time donation, you'll find the link in the right sidebar on my website, livingjoyfully.ca. And a big thank you to Dahlia for her donation. I so appreciate the support. And now let's dive into my conversation with Holly. Welcome. I'm Pamela Rickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Holly Johnson. Hi, Holly. Hello. <laughs> now, just as a little bit of an introduction, I've known Holly online for a few years now and I really enjoyed the glimpses into their unschooling lives and the connection that we've had that way. So I'm really happy that she agreed to chat with me for the podcast. <laughs> and also, so you know, she has a children's book coming out in the hopefully near future that has grown out of her experience unschooling. So I'm really excited about that as well. So to get us started, Holly, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Uh, yes. So I'm Holly. Um, I'm 43 years old. I used to be a nurse in um, theatre, recovery and endoscopy. Um, but I didn't go back after having kids. Um, I love running <laughs> very much and uh, reading books probably would be my two favourite things. Um, and I'm married to Corey. He's 45. He was an asset manager for commercial property up till recently when he quit his job and we took off for a worldwide adventure with our family. Um, 
He loves all sports and he's really good at most of them. He's um, particularly surfing. He just loves surfing. I don't think he thinks he's the best surfer and he's probably not, but he loves it more than anything. Um, He was a semi-professional football player, um, which is Australian rules in obviously Australia. Um, And we, we both were gymnasts together um, prior to that. Yeah. So we, we, that's where we met. We both trained at the um, WA Institute of Sport and we were friends for, yeah, well, we've been married, we've been together, for, I think, for 22 years now, 23, 23 years, and we've been married for 15. Yeah, we have uh, two children. Our oldest is Finn, he's 10. Um, he, just shall I, I'll share with what they like. Sure. Yeah, he, yeah. Um, <laughs> he, his favourite thing to do is thinking. That's what he tells us all the time. Uh, an unusual thing, but um, he loves it. And he spends a big part of his day uh, half running, half skipping, thinking. That's how he likes to think and process. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he loves um, creating creatures. That's, that's been a big love for a couple of years now. He started out uh, using games to create them. Um, and now he draws them, still creates them on all sorts of games. Um, and he's making his own uh, book, which is called A Book of Creatures. <laughs> um, he loves gaming, especially strategy games or physics games, physics games where he can um, play with the physics. So not, not, not necessarily what you would think, but, yeah, he likes to play around with the physics and watch things go slow and what impact things have. Um, he loves theories, so he's right to watching theories on YouTube about gaming mostly but also he loves theories in real life um and he loves learning about world war ii and religion he loves discussing those topics i should say yeah so they're his favorite things too um and i have a daughter teddy who's seven and i asked her what her favorite things to do and were and she her number one was organizing (laughs) (laughs) she loves organizing things um, she loves toys, but I think a big part of her love of toys uh, is really to do with organising. <laughs> <laughs> she has these amazing setups and spends hours organising everything, and um, and she loves role playing. Really loves role playing. With I, she's quite interested in acting, I think, but she's very shy and has been painfully shy in in the past, but. She quite likes acting. She loves singing. She spends a huge part of her day just singing, which is uh, incredible to hear every day. Just someone around you singing constantly. (laughs) Just all the time. It's just so lovely. Um, And she loves loves giving tours of her things that she organises. Um, and she also loves Roblox and Minecraft. She, because she's been quite shy, she only has a couple of friends she plays with. Um, it takes her a while to get comfortable. So she has a little friend in the US who she plays with. Um, hasn't been able to play much with her lately, but she, uh, she loves playing with her. And she plays a lot with Finn as well. They play a lot together. They have a special game that they play called The Story. That's what they call it, The Story. And um, it goes on for hours every day with these little characters <laughs> and they just role play for hours and hours. And uh, so on our trip, we had to bring a lot of, a lot of these toys so they could continue playing the story. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's a little bit about them. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I love that snapshot, you know? Yeah. And, and so many pieces, you know, connect and some from the thinking and the oh. walking while thinking. I mean, yeah. some people, that's just the way they like to process it, right? Yes. My, my eldest yep. is very much like that. Like, oh, really? Yeah. You will walk and think and then, you know, what comes out of it later is just, yeah. you know, can be mind blowing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And, and the organizing piece too and, and setting up stories and I'm sure most people listening get that too you know yeah the, the kids have that space to just oh you know do what connects with them do what feels right in that next yep. moment it's it's yep. amazing the things that they can they can come up with and do and just, yeah. just sink right into right yeah and um that was, you know, something I, I learned from you. <laughs> um, when she was really, really loving toys so much and she just, you know, every day she wanted to go to the shop and buy more toys. And so obviously that's quite hard. Um, and eventually, as I got my head around it and we found ways for her to do it, she set up lemonade stands and we'd go straight to the shop. She made really good money <laughs> and we'd go straight to the shop and she would spend it all. And on the way to the shop, one of the most incredible gifts I got from learning about unschooling was the joy I felt in those trips to the shop. We would be sitting in the car and she would just be bursting with excitement over her own hard work and I just felt, even in myself, so much joy taking her there and browsing the aisles and waiting to see what she would buy. It, was, it, was, it, it went from something that could have been seen as you know, spoiling and I'm sure lots of people around us thought we were because she had an incredible amount of toys at home. But it just wasn't like that. It was it was a wonderful experience. I I kind of miss it actually. Going mm. to the shops with her. <laughs> oh, I know. That open the open endedness of it. Yeah. Just yeah. the weight and the energy changes completely, doesn't it? Yeah. Just like browse and yep. just not worry about what your reactions are. Cause so often at first we're worried that, Oh, you know, if we get excited with them, they're going to want to buy it. And, and so more, more, yep. tempering our actions and reactions through that lens until, yep. you know, once you can release that in and with that freedom too, you're watching them not you're watching them completely with their eye versus yeah. our lens. Right. And then yeah. you can yep. See the choices that you're making and you can see that the things that they're choosing make sense and are serving a bigger purpose for them right then yeah rather absolutely. than absolutely i need to buy this right yes so different. and the gratefulness that i just always i just found the gratefulness she she just always had this look on her eye in her eyes after we had been to the shop this such it just was a look of love like just and gratefulness of that you know I had made that effort to make that happen for her it was it was the opposite of what you hear will happen if your child gets too many toys yeah no yeah no, that's such a great point yeah <laughs> yeah okay so I know that your family's journey started with your son in school right yes. as as did ours yep my I guess 
my youngest Michael had started even junior kindergarten that last year. Um, so I was just looking to see if you would mind sharing some of your experience there, just because there are a lot of people too, whose kids are in school and they're considering yeah. unschooling, et cetera. So I thought it would yeah. be good if you could share that. Um, yeah, Finn started out going to a Montessori pre-kindy. We, um, we, I didn't know that much about Montessori, but I thought it would be a way for him <laughs> to um, explore. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, I just got distracted. <laughs> a little visitor. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so we sent him to a Montessori uh, kindy. Um, we, he was... He was a different baby. We knew from the beginning that he was a little bit different. Um, he he wouldn't conform from from the beginning. Uh, even as a baby, I could see there was going to be I was going to have to change my expectations of of how life would be. Um, he was really strong-minded from the beginning, um, and I couldn't say no to anything. <laughs> which sounds really odd, but he just had this way of just sort of looking straight through me and ignoring me. Um, and I found that when I explained to him, even as a young child, he would, you know, if it was a vase, if I explained, you can't touch that because it's Santa's vase and she'll be sad if it breaks, he would just stop. And so, you know, that had continued on. Obviously, three years I'd been parenting him that way. And never telling him off, never really saying no without explaining why. And um, and then I sent him to <laughs> this Montessori pre-kindy that, unbeknown to me, was very strict. Um, I explained how we did things at home, um, but and they were quite, they seemed quite responsive, but that was not what was happening behind the scenes, unfortunately. Um, and so they began to view him, I think, as very naughty. Uh, he wouldn't do he wouldn't do what they said, um, obviously. And uh, they ended up, I think, uh, well, they ended up manhandling him a little bit because they couldn't control him. He he just he wouldn't let anyone control him. And uh, so so we left there after about five months after a very bad experience. He only went one day a week, but it had an enormous impact on him, enormous. He had no separation anxiety before he went there. He came away with terrible separation anxiety um, and he just, something had changed. So we kept him home after that for a while and then we found another school um, and that was a really, really gentle school. They, that was, a, I think, Reggio Emilia, they, um, that was the method they used um, at, was very child-centered, very loving, very nurturing, and he went there and he loved it. The, the, well, he loved it as much as I think he could ever love a school. <laughs> um, the teachers were really kind to him. They were so loving and they could see all his wonderful qualities. He, he wasn't like the other kids. He didn't conform. He was so strong-willed. Um, and he had interests that were vastly different to the other kids. They really tried hard to support it, but his separation anxiety at that point was so bad that uh, I would I was at the school till ten o'clock every day. I was back at two o'clock. Um, he would climb over fences to try and get to me. Uh, he, yeah, it was it was quite extreme separation anxiety that then began, um, and so I guess. We, we, he did a year of kindy 
And then um, we put him into pre-primary the next year because the teachers thought that once he was full-time, maybe that would make it easier separating from me. And it didn't, but he became, he started to become very withdrawn. Um, so he became very quiet and withdrew. And instead of chasing me out of the school and, you know, trying to climb up these really high fences, he just hung his head and walked in and he stopped talking. And that to me, the teachers thought that that was a sign that he was doing really well. But that to me, that was much more worrying to me. Mm. I, I could just see that he was breaking. Um, and the other thing that was happening was while he was at school, he was starting to get a reputation from the kids as being naughty. Um, so we were in the playground one day and a little I overheard a little girl say to her brother, that's Finn, he's the naughty one. And when I approached the teachers, they were horrified. They, they tried to make it really clear to the kids at school that Finn wasn't being naughty. He just liked questioning everything and he, you know, just had a different way of seeing the world. But, for, you know, they were very young, the kids. So, I, you know, to them it was black and white. If you don't do what the teacher says, you're naughty. If you do do what the teacher yeah. says, you're good. That's it. And so he was starting to say things like, I'm naughty. And that's because I'm naughty. And that just wasn't language we used at home ever. So that was concerning me a little bit, what messages he was getting about himself. Mm -hmm. um, so we pulled him out. And, um, yeah, that was, that was how we came to homeschooling. It happened quite suddenly. We just, we just suddenly, yeah, I spoke to my husband about it. And within one week he had said, let's pull him out. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It. Mm. it <laughs> Awesome, as in you found it. I know we were just yeah. a few weeks between when I discovered homeschooling was a thing and when it's like, yeah. hey, you know, let's try it, you know, because we've tried yeah. so many different things and worked with different yes. teachers and, you know, yeah. did all those things um, and could see that affecting, you know, yes. certainly, certainly yeah. my oldest, right? And, and yeah. thoughts about himself. Yeah. Um, saw himself, you know, the unhappiness and the huge difference between, you know, say summers when we were off and we were all home together versus when, yeah. when he was going to school. Um, and, and I, I really like, I like sharing other people's stories of what that experience yeah. is because, you know, it can look very different yeah. for different kids and, and how yeah. they find it challenging. So Thank you very much for sharing that piece. <laughs> That's um, okay. <laughs> let's dive into then how you did discover uh, homeschooling and how that evolved for you guys into unschooling. So uh, we started out, I guess, traditionally homeschooling. Not, I mean, I, su I suppose when he was young, because um, at this stage Finn was, at, Finn was five and a half or yeah, about five. He was about to turn six when we pulled him out of school, uh, about five and a half. And Teddy had just started a pre-kindy. So she went for one term for three hours, three hours a week. So that was her experience with school. Um, and so she was still quite young. And Finn, as a young kid, um, he had already learnt so much so much his knowledge of science was in some areas greater than mine um so when we started homeschooling I I was really aware that all I needed to do was support him um he was super curious he had 
was learning so much already and it was just a matter of supporting that. But I was quite, um, I wasn't comfortable not teaching or, or I guess, I don't know if teaching's the word, but I, I can't remember how I thought about it back then, but I, I was not comfortable with him not learning to read, not learning to write and not practising maths. So although we didn't have any curriculum for anything else, we certainly did sit down and try to practise reading, writing and maths. Mm-hmm. Maths was fine. He loved doing that. So that was never a problem. I just, all I had to do was find something he liked to do when he would, you know, that was no problem. But uh, reading and writing... That's where we started coming unstuck. Um, he hated it. He just, oh, he hated it so much. And um, I, I kept persevering for about six months. Just, to, you know, I would each time pull back because it was, it was, we were really butting heads. And that, I suppose, is the first time that we'd ever butted heads. Like, he, to, to me, he was such an easy kid. I know other people were finding him challenging in those environments, but to me, at home, he was that he'd never had a tantrum. He, he just was delightful, little happy boy. And um, that was the first time we butt heads when, when I wanted him to learn to read and he didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's that, you know, this is not what I want to do, so I, I'm not going to do it. Um, and so obviously that's where the path that ended up leading us to unschooling because his anxiety got so bad he was not able to he was not able to do anything he was not able to um, he was not able to uh, brush his teeth he was hardly able to eat he he couldn't get dressed he couldn't wear clothes because it was so uncomfortable he stopped talking to everyone except Teddy and I um, he wouldn't talk to my husband. He wouldn't let Corey touch him or get anything for him, not even a glass of water. He stopped leaving the house and and he couldn't have me leave the house either. He had to be next to me 24 hours a day. Um, and so obviously when you're in that state, it's not possible <laughs> to try to learn to read or write or do maths. So everything just fell away. Um, I didn't know what what anxiety in children looked like. Not not severe anxiety, um, and so Finn was very he was very aggressive at times. His aggressiveness came out of almost like pain he anytime anything went wrong, the smallest little thing, if he knocked something over or he couldn't do something he wanted to do, it was almost like he was in extraordinary pain, and he um, he would just lash out at, at anyone to, I think he was just it was so uncomfortable he just had to get rid of it. So our house became just a completely different place. We couldn't have anyone come over, not not even my mum for a while. Um, he couldn't talk to anyone um, and, and, it, and it could be quite violent at times. Um, and we would just, we didn't know what to do. We, we, we sought help from professionals, um, but that actually, that seemed to make it worse. Um, and I, one day I remember looking at my husband. We were standing there and we were watching him and he was under his bed sobbing uncontrollably. And I just, I said to Corey, he's all alone. He's, he's got no one. He doesn't even trust us anymore. He's, he's just pushed us away and he's got no one. What, we, this can't go on. And I, <laughs> it was an odd thing to do, but I booked a holiday for myself <laughs> And I went on a yoga retreat um, with a friend who was running to Italy and I spent two weeks um, doing yoga 
crying <laughs> and learning about gentle parenting. So I'd had this book for a while. Um, it was uh, Dr. Laura Markham. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. And I hadn't had the chance to read it because home was just chaos. So I couldn't even read a book. Um, and so it gave me the opportunity to start learning about gentle and respectful parenting. Um, and I just, I just didn't stop reading that entire trip as much as I could. And um, when I wasn't reading or doing yoga, I was in the shower crying. <laughs> and I, I think I cried for seven days. And then one day the tears just stopped and I felt enormously better. And, and then on the way home, I just had this sense of um, just total renewed energy. And I came home and thank goodness my husband is so flexible with this sort of thing. I walked in the door and I said, we're changing everything. We're changing the way we parent. We're changing the way we school. We're changing our lives. And we, we just have to do what's right for Finn. We're going to listen to him and whatever he says, that's what we're going to do. No matter what he does, we're going to love him. Whether he hits or yells or screams, we're just going to love him. We're not telling him off. We're just going to love him unconditionally. And so from that moment on, we just completely changed everything we were doing and changed our lives. And we really stopped pushing him to go out because at that stage I was still trying to get him to leave the house. Um, and and with, within a few weeks I could notice a huge difference. He started reaching out to me and um, and I could feel that there was a little bit of trust and he was letting me back into his world. Um, and so I knew very short, within a very short period of time that we were, you know, we were on the right. And so we just went that way. And then not long after that, I got in touch with a lady called Jade Rivera, who isn't an unschooler, but is a big advocate, I think, for gentle parenting. And she actually runs a micro school now. So she was she helped me learn a lot about Finn um, and, and his reactions and what they meant. And then from there, I, I, um, from there, I met some unschoolers in Perth. Um, they had a weekly meetup called Minecraft Club where all the kids, <laughs> all the kids would go to this lady's house. It was incredible. Um, and she had all these tables set up with unlimited Wi-Fi for everyone. Um, she'd organised it all and the kids would play Minecraft all day long and this beautiful, warm, loving environment of parents who totally supported their kids' gaming. And so as Finn started to feel better, that was the one thing we could do. We started, we started going there once a week. Um, sometimes we couldn't stay very long. Um, and then I met, I met a couple of really, really special friends there who... Um, Oh, I'm a bit emotional. Who <laughs> really, really helped me with my journey. They are extremely special and I honestly don't think we would be where we are without that support. But everyone at this Minecraft club were just they were just beautiful parents and you could just see unschooling in action. So I that was, I guess, around that time. I think someone there introduced me to your podcast <laughs> and I started <laughs> religiously <laughs> listening. <laughs> I started religiously listening um, to your podcast and learning everything I could. Some of the things I found did feel, find hard to let go of. Um, 
but over time they all just dropped away and and really it was almost easier that we had this anxiety in the background because the only thing that my husband and I cared about was Finn's mental health um, and that we ended up with a boy who could function because he hadn't been able to you know, he hadn't been functioning at all. So that was our main goal. So nothing else really mattered. So it was quite easy to, in that way, stay on track. Yeah. To not worry about anything go. else. Yeah, just yeah. let everything else go. It just, yeah, in some ways it felt like we had an easier journey than some other people who, like, like for instance, none of our relatives, because they had seen what our home life was like, we, our, all of our family was incredibly supportive. We never had anyone um, who, you know, second-guessed us in any way. So we were very lucky in, in those respects. Mm-hmm. And it also helped keep me focused <laughs> on what was most important. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, so, yeah, so that's how we came to unschooling. <laughs> in that long, long way. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I, <laughs> it is, it is such a, I, I love the way you put that, that everything else just fell by the the wayside, right? Yeah. When you're focused on, on helping them where they are and you know, yeah. that you took that moment for you in yeah. your journey, like you can see that as, as kind of, you know, your, your point where you needed you needed something that was going to like break the path that you were on. You know what I mean? Yeah. To do like yep. a 180, 90, however many degrees you want to yeah. talk about it. Yeah. Turn in what you were doing because, you know, you realized that what you were doing wasn't working. Like yep. you had seen where you, you, ha- you guys were and, yep. you know, that you took that time that yep. you needed for yourself to figure it out that that was going to add so much value over over the long term right you know yeah, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a running away piece it was i need regrouping even right yes. to just really yeah. see where you were and like you said to to um you know you were reading the other book bringing in information new ways of doing things new possibilities that you couldn't yep. see where where uh, yeah. you were when you were there was no hours space there. for it yeah, there was just no space at all. And it also helped me, I mean, Perth's, Perth's a quite small city, I suppose, in comparison to many cities around the world. And we're also very isolated. And um, we just couldn't get any of the kind of help that we needed. Every psychologist we saw was just, their first question was, are you a permissive parent? And it was just, I just, I could, I just couldn't get the help. It wasn't out there in Perth. And so by going away and starting to change the way I saw things, it just broadened my perspective and I started reaching out to places, in other places in the world really, mm-hmm. looking for help. That was the first time I really had thought, okay, Perth is not, I can't get the help I need here. What else is out there? I hadn't really ever been in a position where I needed to do that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that sounds really familiar. Gave me that because, opportunity. Because, you know, I too... I get, you know, Joseph was nine, almost 10. Yeah. He was nine when I discovered homeschooling. I didn't even know such a thing existed, right? It wasn't until I had, yeah. was on the internet doing more. I was literally researching how to um, help him at school, you know, gather yep. Yep. 
that I would go over with teachers and principals and all that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. and it was then that I finally came across the term because in my, you know, family environment um, and yeah. in our, you know, neighborhood, nobody had ever heard of such a thing, right? Nobody knew yeah. that, that it existed. So it was once I reached beyond that, that I yep. discovered different possibilities, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so I was hoping, so for people who maybe are finding themselves um, trying to help their children mm. with anxieties and fears and, and things like that, I mean, we've gone through some of that as well, you know, the, and it was for me um, when one of my kids didn't want to leave the house and didn't want me to leave the house. And that lasted for quite a few months. Um, one of the big mind shifts for me was that shift where I could accept this. Like, like, yeah. like you were saying, you were yes. meant to go out and I'd be like, hey, yeah. you know, would you like to go do this? Maybe let's do it. So yeah. at first I was looking outside, trying to look for things that yeah. were enticing enough to try and draw um, him out. But instead, once I, I shifted and said, hey, you know, this is where he is. It's okay. We're back to it's okay to support it. Like going to the store. Yes. Like whatever it is. Something yes. that seems unconventional. But when we can make the shift to embracing that, yes, that was a big one for me when I yeah. actually help his cocooning. Like you said, yes. when you came home, it's like, we're going to do whatever he wants. We're not going to yeah. you know, fight with him about any of these things. And to embrace that kind of cocooning stage for, because if they're needing it, they're, they're needing it. They're needing it. That's it. it. There's a better way. <laughs> yeah. So and I still embrace that and, you know, support yeah. that and, and help them find fun things to do in the house. Even if it, what they wanted to do was watch, you know, the same shows over and over and over, yeah. like building up, you know, lots of blankets and pillows and getting comfy and bringing toys and bringing food, you know, whatever was supporting them. Yes. That, that just made all the difference in our yes. relationship, I think, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Long-winded way to say. <laughs> <laughs> Could you share a bit about your experience helping him through fears um, and yeah. <laughs> Well, the number, you know, the number one thing, the number one change, I think, was listening to him. It sounds crazy now, given how far I've come. <laughs> oh, I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> the number one thing was going from listening to, uh, unfortunately, experts mm -hmm. um, to, and, and everyone, you know, anything you, anything at the time I was reading, to, to listening to Finn. Yeah. So that was my number one thing. Within weeks of just listening to him, he, he, was, he reached out within, you know, it was so, it was really, very, it, maybe it was even quicker, I can't remember now, but that listening to him, what do you need? And then following through and what he needed was to not leave the house. Yeah. yeah he needed to not leave the house. And then, um, so in doing that, I found help online. So that's where I, I was able to get the help in online from the lady in the U S and she, interestingly, she backed, she backed Finn up completely. She said he's in a, you know, he's in a permanent state of fight or flight. And so every time you take him out, it is incredibly stressful for him. You know, it takes him days to recover from one short trip out 
well, we couldn't go to the supermarket, but, <laughs> you know, just a short trip anywhere. Um, that's days, that's days of recovery. Yeah. And so you're putting him under enormous amounts of stress. So Finn knew exactly what he needed. I just didn't know how to listen. <laughs> yeah. So listening to what, and I think I was afraid. I think I was afraid to listen because what, what if he didn't know what he needed, you know, which also is crazy now. <laughs> you know, what if he didn't know what he needed for himself? But um, that was scary. That was a big leap in parenting for me. Although, funny enough, when he was very young, that is how I parented him. <laughs> but then somewhere along the line, I got very confused, I think. And I think this, the expectations of what society expects really clouded my view yeah. and changed my parenting. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were home and he was young, it was very easy for me to be such a responsive parent and do what worked for him. But as he got older and I felt like he needed to fit in, mm-hmm. uh, I, I felt like I was doing him a disservice by not helping him to fit in. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, yeah, because no one was going to accept, no one was going to treat him like we were treating him at home. So then I started worrying that it was my fault, I suppose. So it was a, it was a shift back to that, you know, listen, listen to what he has to say. And, and you mentioned it straight away, that absolute, uh, for me, it felt, it feels like, I, I like to call it unconditional acceptance. I, I just unconditionally accepted what he said and how he was. I completely stopped placing any expectation on him at all and that was a that was another shift and it was a really important one and you know where he was right then lasted for probably two years Mm -hmm. you know he was not able to do anything for himself for a very 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 long time and um, that acceptance that that's okay and and maybe I mean, I don't think I ever for a second thought it would always be that way, but I did remind myself that it might be that way and that was okay too, you know, and accepting that. um, Jade had mentioned to me that sometimes these sorts of things can take years, you know, all the way to a teenager, for instance. She knew kids who that anxiety had lasted that bad uh, till they were teenagers. So, So that was helpful, knowing that, that it could last for years and years and and then it was about adapting our home to make it the best environment it could be for him, but also for Teddy. I worked really, really hard on making sure our home was everything it needed to be for her. In some ways, we were really lucky because she was very, very shy. So she was very comfortable at home and all the things she wanted were, were at home. She wasn't really looking for friendships at the time. Mm-hmm. So we... That's, you know, she got into toys and that's how we ended up fully supporting that. Um, I played with her for hours every day, uh, what, you know, what, whatever it took to make that home happy. I got really, really good at hacking everything, completely hacking our lives to suit ourselves. So once I sort of shut our doors, I, I did have a period where I shut a lot of friends out because I, I, I didn't really understand what we were going through um, and I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't. Yeah, I just didn't know how to explain it to anyone. Um, and so so that was helpful. I, I didn't have anyone to justify anything yeah. to. Um, but we we had some great times. We, we ended up hacking Christmas and had some of the best Christmases we could have. Um, we... we uh, Finn had problems sleeping and still unfortunately does have problems sleeping. 
But because he would stay awake for such a long period, we were worried about how Christmas would be for Teddy. Uh, you know, she would want to get up early, what would happen with the presents, all those sorts of things. We couldn't have anyone over. Um, so we, we, Teddy and I would spend weeks preparing the Christmas feast with, and decorating the house. And we changed Christmas to a Christmas Eve feast where we would stay up till midnight and we would open all of our presents on Christmas Eve at about, we would have this big dinner and then uh, we would open all our presents after dinner instead of the morning, the next morning. And that way, Teddy got to open her presents with everyone. She didn't have to wait for Finn to get up. So the majority of her presents were opened on Christmas Eve and we would have this, you know, I think the first year it was just the four of us and then by the next year I think we either had Corey's family or my family over, just our parents, um, and we just celebrated it that way. And, um, and then the next morning they had their presents from Santa um, and it was just, you know, it was only a couple of presents and so Teddy didn't mind waiting for Finn because she had this and also she slept in because she'd been up so late. So, <laughs> so it was just a matter of working out like what's the most important thing for Finn? What's, you know, what are the obstacles going to be and how is that going to affect Teddy? That was really important mm-hmm. um, in making sure that Teddy's life was still special and enjoyable, I guess, more than special, just enjoyable. Yeah, so um, I got really good at doing things like that and getting creative with changing everything and I just, I just didn't worry about what anyone else was doing. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I love that because, they, you know, you were talking up front about unconditional acceptance, right? And yeah. I think, you know, there's a vision that we have, but I think there's a couple of steps deeper that we get into that because, okay. you know, when, when you think of unconditional acceptance for somebody it's like you know not contradicting what your child says but there's there's the step um deeper of dropping expectations yeah yes right because that brings an energy to it and and the other piece is the timeline of it right that this could go maybe this will be you know maybe this is his life maybe this is you know the the way it's going to be because that too, like it, it gives us different lenses that we're looking at them through. And so even though we're accepting hi and not, <laughs> you know, contradicting them at all, when we can get to the depths when, when we, are, um, we are accepting where, where they are without any expectations about that, they're almost together, expect, expectations yeah, that it's absolutely over soon. Or this is just a phase. Yeah. I just have to outweigh yes. phase, right? There is that, that energy of embracing that comes when you can get rid of those filters, isn't it? And you had such yeah. beautiful examples of embracing that creatively. All of a sudden, the world opens yeah. up and we can oh. do what works for Christmas. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. We can, you know, birthdays. Yep. Days. Birthdays, yep, yeah, that was another thing we have to yeah. <laughs> that yeah. we, we have to, to fit us. Like yeah. the world opens up when when you realize yeah. it's okay to release those expectations and and that you're not losing anything by doing that. No, okay. no. In fact you, you get you gain because the oh, I don't know what I don't know what changes inside you, but something about fully accepting your children where they are and who they are changes the relationship so much that 
there's there's just this enormous amount of joy. I, I don't I, I don't really know whether it's just joy that you feel yourself or whether they I, I, I still can't really describe that joy when you really give them what they need and, oh, and that acceptance in that moment. It just, it's just so much joy. It really yeah. is. It really is. I know. And I understand the not being able to explain it. I mean, in my Unschooling Journey book, I call it this undercurrent of joy that just flows <laughs> through all your day. Yeah. That's all I get. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but truly it's there it, you can you can find it but it is our work yeah. to do right it's yeah not, oh actually, yeah it's not no they weren't doing anything it, right? <laughs> no no <laughs> it was all me and my husband he is very he's he just doesn't mind he just I'm really lucky because he just he just goes <laughs> he just doesn't you know I can't really think of any time where he's said, are you sure you know what you're doing? Like he just, he just, okay, that's what we're doing now. Fine. Like, yeah. So that's that's been great as well. (laughs) But Just getting back to Christmas, I I just have to tell you one funny story. We, um, I think it was two years ago now. I think it was two years ago. It could have been three where I started to worry about the whole Santa thing. Mm -hmm. And Finn has always, uh, really not liked people lying to him it's always been such a thing mm-hmm. and he got to an age I think he was seven and I started feeling like he would uh you know he would be very upset at me when he when he was going to find out and he would really view it as though I had lied yeah and so I decided to tell him uh, I think it was a couple of months before Christmas. I well, I I posed the question: If there was something that all the adults know but none of the children do, would you want to know? Even though it was a beautiful surprise and it's supposed to be a wonderful thing, would you want to know the truth? And he said, "Of course, you know, I would want to know the truth." So I told him about Santa, and he just straight away was fascinated. He was he wasn't upset in any way. He was fascinated that people could hold this secret and none of the children knew and and the lengths that you know the adults went to to create this story was just incredible to him like he just couldn't believe it and he you know he really saw it in such a special way it was actually wonderful but then he said to me you know you have to tell Teddy now I was like oh no no (laughs) she's too young you know she's too young and she's not you know he didn't really he wasn't really a kid who was that into gifts so but she was so into toys (laughs) I just thought it would completely ruin it and I was we left it for a couple of days because I wasn't sure how I felt and then anyway he said to me you have to tell her she she hates being lied to as well and so he said can I just ask her if she would mind being lied to you know, the same way you asked me. So he yep. went ahead and he used the same wording and she said, Finn, you know I hate being lied to. And um, and he said, I told you. He calls me, he also calls me Holly. So he said, I told you, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't like being lied to. And um, and anyway, so then I was like, oh, where am I going to go with this? What's going to happen? It's just going to destroy it. So I started to tell her and then... It was, it became the most wonderful thing. So she looked at me with these massive eyes and she said, so you and Corey are our Father Christmas and Mrs. Claus. And I was like, yes, (laughs) yes, we are. (laughs) And she was just, oh, she was 
She loved it. She couldn't believe that everyone's parents were actually Santa and Mrs. Claus. It was just the, and then so obviously that's where we went with it. We just, it just became this wonderful story about parents doing this beautiful thing for their children. Um, And they were the real father Claus and Mrs. Claus. And then, and then what came from that is that Corey and I would dress up. And we started dressing up and delivering the presents. <laughs> and then, you know, they would be in bed watching us, uh, you know, peeking out at midnight, wading through the presents after our big feast. They'd go to bed um, and they would peek out. And the first time we did it, Teddy was so excited. She was shaking. She covered up her head with a doona and she was just shaking underneath it at seeing the real Father Christmas and Mrs. Claus. <laughs> so, you know, even that, it just, and even now, it's just Christmas for us is a beautiful thing, despite them knowing everything. And we, we are often just alone, the four of us. <laughs> oh, that's spectacular. I love that story. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, you know, that, I guess also that comes down to trust, you know, trust in your children and yourself that something good will happen. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, I told them the truth and I trusted, I suppose, that uh, something, something, it would be okay. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was better than okay. Christmas became better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. It's, it, it is that, that trust piece, right? And, and it's the trust in not knowing what direction it's going to take, but the trust in knowing that you'll work with wherever it goes. Yeah. Right. Yes. You yeah, guys yeah. Will, will make make something happen from from wherever wherever people are in the moment, yeah. right? I get it's yep. hard to explain, but yeah. You, again, once you you've been through um, that a few times, that trust really develops, and you know what? It becomes it almost becomes excitement, doesn't it? Curiosity. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Well, oh, this and this is yeah. out of left field. I wonder where we're gonna end up with this, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I would love to hear the story behind the children's picture book that yes. you're working on and where yes. that's taken you. Okay. So um, a couple of years ago, that's an interesting story. A couple of years ago, um, we were home a lot and that's when I started writing. I started mm-hmm. writing my experiences um, and I wrote a children's story um, which is not this one. This is this is a this is my second one. Um, but we were doing some travelling. Um, Finn wasn't comfortable leaving home very much, but we decided to go on a trip to Bali. And once we got him there, we couldn't believe how much he relaxed, and just it was like this weight just lifted off his shoulders. So we noticed it straight away. So we started trying to incorporate much more travel into our lives. Um, and uh, and then one day I woke up and I just said to Corey, I think we need to get out of Perth. I think, you know, I, I think we need to leave. I, I just have this feeling that we need to go and travel the world. And then the next day someone knocked on our door and offered to buy our house. <laughs> it was so strange. It was really strange. And um, anyway, we weren't ready to sell and and Finn certainly was not ready to leave the house. So but that just, you know, that was just in there. From that moment on, I was, you know, I was, oh, it's a the sign. Was <laughs> the sea was planted. It was a sign to me. And, you know, I think a, a year passed, uh, maybe even longer. 
and um, we went for a trip to Japan. And then while we were there, Finn said, just one day said, I want to travel around the world. I want to go and see all the countries there are to see. And so Corey and I looked at each other and we were like, yep, we don't know how we're going to make this happen, but, but let's do it. Anyway, so that was in the January of last year. Um, and then while we were in Japan, actually, that's how the, the, the news story started, um, we, we found these little, um, they're little uh, resin cubes um, and Finn picked one with a dandelion in it because he loves dandelions and mine had a little red seed. Uh, it, was, it was a seed from in, um, South America and it was called a happiness charm. And when we came, Finn just loved these two little things. They had beautiful little meanings. Um, and when we came home, we started talking about what they could mean and he's quite a philosophical little fella. So he really likes, you know, discussing what things could mean and we spend a long time doing that. Um, and so we, we came up with this story about this seed and how, you know, maybe we could imagine that this seed is inside of our body and, you know, as it grows, those things that it grows out into are all our interests and our loves and what would that feel like? And so, you know, we talked about it every night in bed for a long time. We'd just snuggle up and, you know, we'd hold the seed and we'd discuss it. And so I think uh, from there, something happened with Teddy one day. And um, so Finn and I had been discussing this little, a little theory behind the seed. And um, so I used the analogy with her and it really worked. And as I, you know, told her our analogy, it just, it really helped her. And so I sat down and, um, and wrote that into a story. And um, that was, so that was April, I think, of last year. And, um, and then it was the whole process of now I have to find an illustrator. That was very difficult <laughs> because I didn't have a lot of money <laughs> to spend on it. Um, and so I just kept waiting. I had I had uh, grown enough as a person by that stage where I realised that if it was meant to be, something something would come, something would work out and I just trusted that. I didn't really worry too much about it. And um, I spoke with a few people and it, was, it, it wasn't really going to work out with them. Um, they were great but I couldn't afford them basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this girl popped into my life who was a friend of my sister-in-law's and she was looking to get into... Um, illustration she hadn't done it before and she was willing she read the book and she loved it really loved it and she wanted to work on it and she was willing to do it at a price I could afford (laughs) because it was her first book yeah and so she started working on that I think December last year last year (laughs) and it took much longer than she thought because she has two small children and my whole philosophy was take your time you know don't put it before your children Mm because I wouldn't be doing that so I don't want you to do that um so yeah and so so finally I think she has sent me the final copy yesterday <laughs> and, you know, she's also been doing the layout and the formatting and stuff as well. So turns out she could do everything. <laughs> so it was like this amazing gift. <laughs> she was also a graphic designer. So, yeah, and then the funny thing about the story was as I realised I was going to be able to publish it, we started really living it. So it became really important in all of our lives, including my husband. We talked about it so much and it became so important that, um, that 
yeah, we, we, we started really living it. And so a few months before we left, I think we, we, left, we left Perth at the end of July, a few months before Corey was, um, he, he had quite a stressful job and he was away in Melbourne every third week. They just asked him to increase that. And that, you know, we had the choice, do we go to Melbourne or does, you know, do we quit and do we take this chance to go on this holiday? Um, Finn already wants to travel the world, so we'll be supporting that. It was a dream of mine as well. And, you know, we can really grow our happiness seeds, <laughs> so to speak. Um, you know, let's see where this takes us. Imagine, you know, imagine having a whole year together, what that would be like, you know. Um, and so although that idea of travelling was, you know, mulling in our heads for a long time, it, it really wasn't, it was only about, two months before we left or maybe three months where we put the house on the market and sold up and Corey quit his job. And so um, the story is a huge part of our family now. We talk about happiness all the time, all the time to the point of we were walking down the road the other day and we've been doing a lot of reading on World War II um, and we're talking about religion, I think, um, and how that, you know, comes into war sometimes. And Finn said to me, I love talking about World War II and religion so much that I get a huge hit of dopamine <laughs> and I think it's so much, it's probably equal to what people who are taking drugs, that sounds terrible, <laughs> people, who are, people who are taking drugs get, that's, that's, how, that's how happy it makes me. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, yeah, talking about happiness is, is just a huge part of our lives now and um and both the kids know how much we are supporting them in that way to grow whatever interests they have in you know in any way we can find possible and and when we were at home a lot of our life while Corey was working was about the kids you know I put myself on a back seat and I really focused on them but since traveling it's been a much more equal it's been much more equal, you know, we're, we're all uh, very aware of everyone's loves and, um, and the kids are really happy to help us. Sometimes it's hard, but, you know, they're really happy for us to sort of spend time doing what we want to do as well and they're really supportive and it's, wow. a, it's a really easy way to talk about it uh -huh. because we're, you know, it's such a, big thing in our life right now this book <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that's to have that little little external lens to, to yeah. bring to things you know yeah. a framework yeah um, can can really open up conversation can't, yeah. can't it because it it, yeah. it takes a little bit of that pressure off yes of it being so absolutely personal when you can relate it to something else yes right yes yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, <laughs> we're all really excited. Yep. And so it's going, like you said, it's going well so far. How many yes. places, where have you guys been? Um, so we started in, um, Greece. We did, um, we did Mykonos, Santorini and then Crete. So we did two weeks in Greece and then we went over to Italy, um, and then we went over to France for five weeks. We had, uh, 
within that time frame, within that eight weeks, five of those weeks were with my parents, which was really lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids loved that. They just, they loved, they really loved it. it was a, it's been a highlight for them having my parents with us for, five, for those five weeks. Um, so we did France for five weeks and now we're in Ireland. Um, we're staying at my sister-in-law's dad's house <laughs> while I finished doing the book. We've been here for a month. Um, and you know, it's, it's just funny. It's just funny what unschooling gives you, you know, everyone who's Irish says to us, what are you doing here this time of year? Like it just (laughs) rains, you know, you're crazy. And all we can see is the beauty, you know, it's incredibly green and because it rains so much, there's rainbows all the time. (laughs) And, um, yeah, we've been able to go caving and rock climbing and hiking and, things that we can't do in Perth um, and the kids are just thriving. They're, they're absolutely thriving. Oh, yeah. that is wonderful. That is wonderful. Yeah. So yeah. at this point on your journey, I was just curious, what do you love most or let's use the happiness meter <laughs> about having chosen to embrace unschooling? I think this is hard. There's there's so many. I know, I know. But, but they're all, you know, they're all interwoven <laughs> into one. <laughs> but I think I think my number one is the joy that I am able to feel every day over the tiniest little things. Yeah. I, I, I just can't I can't go past that, I don't think. You know, the and sometimes I wonder if it's because we had such hard times. You know, we couldn't go to the shop. So now when I go to the shop and the kids run around, you know, so Finn's gone from, uh, and this is one of the things that unconditional acceptance (laughs) and love has given him. He's gone from not being able to enter a supermarket to running into the supermarket with his, where he has his own basket or trolley, collecting all his favourite foods and waiting at the checkout. (laughs) So that's, you know, it's just, incredible where we are now yeah it's just incredible like sometimes I look at the things we're doing and I I can't believe you know even just a year ago we were still struggling to have people over to our house you know it so 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 those experiences of walking to the shop um shopping um just the joy I feel every day and I would not be able to feel that joy had we not gone down the unschooling path. It, I, I wouldn't be able to appreciate it like I can now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's oh. probably my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much, Holly. That's awesome. Yeah. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time where you are, finding a spot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciated that. It's so awesome. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And um, thank you. I've already thanked you, but, you know, thank you so much for all the work that you, Anne, and Anna have done. I, yeah, I'm forever grateful (laughs) for the work that you have put out there and how it has helped my family on our journey. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Before we go, where can people connect with you online if they'd like to touch base? Um, probably the easiest is Instagram. I have Facebook, but at this stage I hardly use it. Um, so my Instagram is wholeheart underscore living. 
I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, I'll double check and put in the show notes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and my website isn't up and running yet, but I'm pretty sure it will be by the time um, this is aired. So that's the Johnson, um, www.hollyjohnson.co. Oh, sweet. That's awesome. So I'll have that, I'll have that up as well. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> then people can, uh, you know, follow and check out the... Yeah, they'll be able to see my book there. Goes. Yep. And make sure you let me yep. know when it does come out so I can share that yes. as well so people know. I love it. I Thank will, so I will. Thank you. Thank you. me a little preview. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you very much again and have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Bye, Pam. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the third book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Life Through the Lens of Unschooling. This book is a wide array of essays drawn from my blog that shed light on the day-to-day lives of unschooling families. You'll find essays tackling everything from learning to read to visiting relatives, all organized around nine keywords that have been woven into the fabric of our unschooling lives. De-schooling, learning, days, parenting, relationships, family, lifestyle, unconventional, and perspective. The theme is life, the lens, unschooling. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.